Hey there, and welcome to Are We Europe Readouts. Today we're reading a story from our latest print magazine, The Sports Issue. For some, sports is the stuff of nation building, flags and hymns, blood, sweat and tears. To others, it is simple entertainment. What can sports tell us about who we are? You flinch, you lose. In German fraternities, a controversial sport tradition turns boys into men. Written by Felix Hoffmann, read by Andrei Popovicu. Julian Sanchez was in a hurry. He still had to buy a pair of cheap black trousers. He would wear his black leather shoes, as required by the dress code, but didn't want to ruin his only suit. There's always the risk that you will bleed, he says. In 2017, Sanchez, a law student, had just joined the Cor Ubertia fraternity in Freiburg, a quaint and vibrant student city in southern Germany. He was on his way to his first menzua, a fencing match fought with sharp sabers. It's a compulsory rite of passage for every new member. I was really nervous, I was shaking, he remembers. But no one could have noticed. As he walked up to his opponent, he wore a chainmail from the chin down, along with a stab-proof vest, gauntlets, and three layers of fabric around the neck for protection. A steel mask covered his eyes and nose, leaving only parts of his face and head exposed. The menzua is different from Olympic fencing, where elaborate footwork and complex strike patterns are key. In a menzua, duelers stand a blade length apart and hold the saber in one hand, arms stretched out above their heads. It's the only limb they are allowed to move. By turning the wrist, they strike and defend in a strictly regulated choreography. The match lasts 30 rounds, with four strikes each. There is no winner. The only way to lose is by flinching and pulling back the head when the blade comes down. A bout may otherwise only be stopped to treat serious wounds. Unless you're a soldier or a policeman, you'll never do anything more intense than this, says Sanchez. You can't die, but you can suffer some nasty scars. Five compulsory practice sessions a week, including three under the stern supervision of a professional trainer, had taught Sanchez the importance of rhythm and accuracy. If executed precisely, his movements would leave his head exposed for only a fraction of a second. As the clang of the sabers filled the air, the men in the room fell into devout silence, interrupted only by the occasional gasp. Once the match was over, Sanchez and his opponent sat down to a beer. It was a feeling of solidarity that he would likely never experience again, he says. There are many types of Studentverbringenden, or student associations in Germany, with different historical roots. Modern-day clubs like the Corubertia date from the 19th century, although they uphold rituals emanating from even older traditions. Not all of them practice the menzua, and there are important differences in their political views and admission criteria. But they all promise lifelong friendship and a support network that cuts across generations of men. Traditions like the menzua are one reason why fraternities in Germany are perceived by many as politically conservative, secretive, and elitist. Critics feel that they use similar rites of passage to pass on outdated ideas about masculinity and men's role in society. But their members insist that, as the English name suggests, a fraternity is about brotherhood. A timeless bond unites men of different ages in solidarity. Younger recruits profit from the business connection and financial support of older members and, in turn, support the new generations later in life. Most fraternities don't publish membership numbers. According to Dietrich Haider, who has investigated German Studentverbindungen for over three decades, more than half of the country's students were members during the German Empire 
between 1871 and 1918. Today, that figure has gone down to about 2.5%, with women entering universities in the early 20th century, contributing to the growth in student population, their relative numbers declined. But according to Heider's research, attracting large number was never a primary concern. Fraternities have always considered themselves as the elite, he says. Around the world, all male clubs and associations seek to form tomorrow's leaders. The Bullingdon Club at Oxford University gave the world Prime Minister David Cameron and Boris Johnson. American fraternities, like Yale's famed Colin Bones Secret Society, have turned out no less than 18 US presidents since 1877 and 85% of Supreme Court justices since 1910. Power is at play in German Studentenverbindungen too, says Dr. Alexandra Kurth, co-author of several books and essays on the link between fraternities and right-wing politics. According to her, the belief that politics is men's business is an unspoken ideal for many fraternities. Questions of gender equality and calls for affirmative action are often dismissed as trivial. While there are important differences, fraternities are ultimately based on a traditional image of masculinity, argues Kurth. Men are seen as rational and women as emotional. Men as active and women as passive. And while men can defend themselves, women are peace-loving. For Sanchez, accusations of sexism are unwarranted. Good behavior towards women is central to their self-image as a core, he argues. Mannerliness is on the curriculum in both the compulsory etiquette and dance classes. When we have female guests, we have to treat them well, he says. We offer them somewhere to sit, something to drink, and we go and talk to them. Yet, in many fraternities, women are both adored and despised, argues Kurth. On the one hand, they represent the beautiful, the pure, and the good, she says. Which means women should be courted, given flowers, and cared for. On the other hand, there is a counter-image. It's the anti-lady, the politically active student, the feminist, she says. Sometimes it's a downright object of hatred. For someone with a trained eye, members are recognizable by their mannerisms. Over time, rules of etiquette or details like the way they raise their glass to someone senior become part of their flesh and blood, says Michael Tchaikovsky. He's a guide and Antifa activist in the German city of Heidelberg, where he gives tours about the local history of fraternities. Even though he's critical of it, members regularly join his walks. Tchaikovsky says he recognizes them at a glance, from their appearance, but also from their body language. It's all about appearing soldierly and honorable. Tchaikovsky finds it problematic that obedience to rules and tradition is valued more than individual thought. The Menzua is a textbook example of how this socialization is literally inscribed into the body, he says. The newest member of a Studentverbindungen, called Fuchse, or Foxes, are at the bottom of the food chain, says Sanchez. Whenever a rule is broken, there are consequences. The most serious one, short of being expelled, is being demitted. Once a member has been demitted, no one in the fraternity is allowed to speak to them or even recognize their presence for a certain period of time. What we offer is a community, says Sanchez. So, what's the hardest punishment? Taking that community away. As a man, you had to be able to face danger, says one former fraternity member who prefers to remain anonymous. He joined the Landsmachschaft Kivelinia in Tübingen in 1968, where he took part in multiple fencing bouts and thought he had found friends for life. But in the last Menzua he ever fought, he broke the most important rule, do not flinch. 
The only way to reestablish his honor would be to fence for cleansing. When he decided not to do so, he was expelled. As he left the fraternity house for the last time, he felt proud. He had stood by his decision. You don't need to fence to become someone who can face a challenge, he says. But his decision came at the price. None of these friendships and acquaintances lost it. All of them were gone, he says. Did you like listening to this story? Dive into all our readouts from this issue or previous ones. Or listen to our narrative Are We Europe stories wherever you get your earful of audio right now. And don't forget, you can also become an Are We Europe member and connect with storytellers across the continent starting at 4 euros a month. Just go to areweeurope.com member and help us build a new media for a changing continent. That's areweeurope.com member.